This is the Kindness and Happiness Connection with Dr. Elia Gorgoris, the Happiness Doctor, and Randy McNeely, the Kindness Giver. Join us weekly with our invited guests as we share actionable kindness and happiness tips, insights, and inspiration to promote personal and professional well-being. Good morning, everyone. I'm Randy McNeely, the Kindness Giver, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Kindness and Happiness Connection podcast. As you will see, I am not joined by my amazing co-host, Dr. Elia Gorgoras, the happiness doctor. He is off uh, taking care of what so many Americans are trying to do right now. He's getting his vaccine shots so that he can, he and his wife can be healthy and strong and couldn't be in two places at once. So we miss him, but uh, we're going to carry on with, without him today. And I am so honored to have the amazing Kristen Sherry here with me today. And I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Kristen. Kristen, good morning. Good morning. So happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us today. My uh, honor. I need to share with our audience a little bit about you. Kristen is a best-selling and award-winning author. She's globally a globally recognized career expert. And she's creator of the UMAP profile, which has been honored with a 2020 Career Innovator Award from Career Directors International. She's also a speaker and a trainer and an author of international bestseller UMAP, international bestseller UMAP, and a 2020 Pencraft Award winner in business books for your team loves Mondays, right? She's also the managing director of her own company and managing partner, I should say, of UMAP LLC, which certifies coaches, career coaches, and HR professionals as UMAP coaches and facilitators. Kristen's children's books, You've Got Gifts and You've Got Values, were honored with the gold distinction by the Mom's Choice Awards. Her number one new release in personal success is Maximize 365, which was just released back in February of this year in 2021. Now, before we got on here, Kristen told me some exciting news about one of her children's books. Kristen, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about that? Oh, well, <laughs> it's uh, so I'm really honored. My book, You've Got Gifts, it's the first in the series, is a shortlisted finalist for Children's Book of the Year with the Maxi Awards. So it's a real honor. Oh, my goodness. That is, that is so fantastic. Congratulations on that. Thank you. you. Know, you are just a, a well-rounded, wonderful lady, and you have an amazing story to tell. But we all, and we're going to jump into some questions about that story. But first of all, we always ask our guests, the first thing we ask is how do kindness and happiness connect in your life, both personally and professionally? So there was a moment in my life that is very memorable for me, and that's when my mother told me, she said, Kristen, always be kind to everyone you meet. You never know the burdens they carry. And I love that. My Yeah. And my mother actually started crying as she spoke. You never know the burdens they carry. And I remember her, the look on her face and her voice cracking. And I didn't understand it at the time, but came to realize that was compassion in that, in that statement, she was feeling compassion. Yeah. And that really helped me understand 
for me personally, the way to be kind consistently in my life, whether that's to my own family, to a stranger, to my coworkers, is to practice compassion and always reminding myself, I don't know the burdens that people are carrying right now. And a kind act can go a long way with someone. That's amazing. There's a reason why the message of kindness is so powerful because it it builds bridges to hearts mm-hmm. and enables you to connect to people in ways that uh, you couldn't connect otherwise. And it opened up opens up windows of understanding. Mm-hmm. It helps you to see people as they are, as humans, and 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 be able to transcend skin color or race or or politics or anything else and see. Yeah, I found that also reduces conflict. It oh, can yeah. turn around conflict when you are in the midst of conflict. It can de-escalate. I remember one time I was in a box store shopping and I was walking down an aisle and a woman was trying to get around me. So she went to her right and I went to my left, which blocked each other. And then we went the other way and I could start to see the frustration on her face as we kept blocking each other. And in that moment, I just gave her a really big smile and just started to laugh. And I moved over and we high-fived each other as we walked past one another. (laughs) And just choosing to not be frustrated myself and just smile and and show her my intention as I'm not aggravated with you. This is, let's find the, the humor in this situation. It completely changed her whole response. It's amazing, isn't it? That little, that little awareness that you had in the moment kept you from having a confrontation and turned the moment into a, a memorable moment. And she's probably telling the same story to other people. Mm-hmm. You never know. What a great thing. What a great thing. I, that, that's, that's a fantastic example. And I so appreciate that. Now, I want to, boy, there's so many juicy tidbits to learn from you. I can't wait to get into some of these. You're, you're an author, you're a speaker, you're a coach, uh, you're a trainer. You've been through and overcome some amazing challenges yourself. Just tell, with our, tell our audience a little bit about your story and how you've come to the point in your career that you're at right now. That's, so, is that too broad a brush? <laughs> no, I, I, can, I can distill that pretty distinctly. So my mother left the corporate world and became an entrepreneur when I was 23 years old. And I realized in that moment, that's what I wanted to do as well. I was in college at the time and I was doing a neuroscience program under the psychology department at my university for whatever reason that I guess it makes sense that the neuroscience department was under the psychology umbrella. And I thought I was going to be a neurologist and I went and spoke with one to do an inter, inter, what do you call that? Informational interview. And I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I wasn't good in calculus anyway, which was going to be an obstacle. (laughs) So you have to take all this math when you do a medical route. So yeah, I found myself thinking, okay, I'll, I'll become an entrepreneur like my mother. But in the meantime, I need to get some work experience. I had this rule in my head that I had to pay my dues for 20 years before I could be an entrepreneur, which is ridiculous, but we create these rules that we believe. So I entered education, working in a university. Then I went all over the place. I was in IT. I was in business analytics. I was in operations. I was in learning and development. 
I was moving all around. Once I got to the point where I was in business analytics, I thought, okay, I'm going to be more intentional with my career moves. Where do I want to go? I know I want to work for myself. I want to do coaching, training, workshops, uh, one-on-one. And so I thought, well, how can I do that? Well, getting into learning and development would be the way to do that. And so I thought, well, how do I get into learning and development when I have a technical background? Well, if I go into the business in operations, they'll be more interested in me in learning and development because I'll have the business cred, right? I have that frontline contact with the work we do with our customers and our training department would be interested in that knowledge. So that's what I did. I created a five-year plan. And once I moved into learning and development, I got the experience I felt I needed to be able to go off on my own and be an entrepreneur. But I was not really wired for the corporate world because I couldn't see how my work made a difference. And that's my number two value. Actually, it's my number three value. Autonomy is my number two value, but autonomy is my number two value. So I get frustrated. What's number one? um, So number one is love and connection. And then, so I said to myself, I'm never going to really thrive and reach my potential in the corporate world because I, it's, and it's not any fault of the business, but I had all these big ideas and strategies and my ideas were probably inappropriately lofty for a traditional corporate environment. So it was a combination of them not being ready for it and me being unrealistic about what they could reasonably do, which created a lot of frustration for me because I felt like a lot of my ideas got shut down because they were too grandiose, if you will. So I just decided to do them myself, which I've done. That's awesome. That is awesome. What a what a great story. So I want to ask you something. This wasn't in the questions when I threw out there because I had my own challenge with help and you were kind enough to reach out to me earlier this year and share a little bit about your story and about what you had to overcome in order to get to where you are. You had your own physical challenges. Would you be willing mm-hmm. to open up and share just a little bit about that and what you how you were able to rise above and not only overcome those challenges, but crush them and use them to drive you to do the amazing things that you're doing now. Yeah. So I had two children in my forties and having two pregnancies in my forties made it very difficult to lose weight after having two children. And so add that to working from home and I worked next to my kitchen (laughs) I found myself in this situation where I just kept gaining weight and gaining weight and gaining weight. And then it started to affect my health, my knees, my back, uh, even my hips. Like all of my joints were sore all the time because I was carrying around extra weight. I topped the scale at 204 pounds, which for a man, that doesn't sound like a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) Right. Um, I was suffering from headaches, which I did not realize were connected to a dangerous high blood pressure situation. So I had no energy. I wasn't really playing much with my kids. I would lay on the couch all evening. And that of course was exacerbating the health problems, the weight situation. Yeah. And I was really desperate but I wasn't really doing anything effective about it. I would try something for two weeks and quit. Well, then I had to go for my annual exam to the doctor and I'll never forget the look on the nurse's face. She put the blood pressure cuff on and she looked at me and she said, are you feeling anxious? 
And I felt as calm as could be. So I was confused why she was asking that. And I said, well, I am now because I could tell something was wrong. She said, let me try the other arm. And she went over to the other arm and she took my blood pressure again. And I remember her saying, we need to get you off the medication you're on because it's dangerous with how high your blood pressure is. My blood pressure was normally throughout my whole life about 116 over 70 around there. Yeah. But at that doctor visit, it was something like 158 over 118. It was a lot higher than, and a lot higher than it should be too. And that's why she thought I was perhaps anxious or something. But I had just gotten to a situation where my health was eroding quickly. And that explained why I was having headaches, lightheadedness and feeling tired. So she told me I was at the level. So when you have high blood pressure, you actually have a level above that. That's level two high blood pressure. And that's where I was. The very next step is you need an ambulance right now. So I was right butted up against that. And so that very day I came home and I wrote a post on LinkedIn and I said, I need to get healthy through exercise. I had already started eating right and had lost weight at that point, but the damage was still there. And I had to reverse it through cardiovascular health and wellness. And Carrie Twig, she's a very popular influencer on on LinkedIn. She reached out to me and she said, I'll be your exercise accountability partner if you'd want, if you want one. And I said, yes. And so we've run a 5k virtually together. Um, We send each other our exercise pictures every day. And she has helped me go from being on the couch and completely sedentary. When I say I was completely sedentary, Randy, I did no exercise of any kind, not even housework at that point. You're saying you were the model for couch potatoes. Is that? (laughs) I was a absolute couch potato and I didn't want to walk anywhere because it just, it just hurt and it it made me feel terrible and it was hot. I was so overweight. I was, I sweat so easily and I've gone, I went from that to then losing weight, but still not exercising to this morning and Monday I ran a 10 (laughs) K. So it's been quite a transformation. Mm -hmm. That is fantastic. That's inspiring. Two things that you said in that, in sharing that. One, you had the courage to reach out and open up and say, hey, I, I need to lose weight. I, I need to exercise, you know, bring exercise into my program. And uh, Carrie Twig was kind enough to reach out and say, hey, I'll be your accountability partner. And so th- that exemplifies the need that we have for accountability partners. You know, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I am working. I had my own heart scare earlier this year, that was my wake up call, you know, and, and I'm not going to, cause this isn't about me. It's about you today, but I'm not going to get And My audience has heard a little bit about that. But what I will say is after that scare, you know, you were kind enough to reach out to me. This wonderful lady named Kristen Sherry reached out to me, gave me her 365 max book. She shared with me inspiration and, and, and encouraged me to uh, go on and do what I need to do to lose weight. And then I got some accountability partners and now I've lost 25 pounds, 26, Amazing. Pounds, depending on, depending on the time of day. When I first get up, it's 26 pounds later in the day, it's 25, but <laughs> it's the um, water buildup over the course of the day. Well, it, it is and, and food and all that stuff, but it, we all need to have the courage to open up and say, I need help. 
Mm-hmm. We're all need to have accountability partners, people who are there to cheer us on. That's why I'm going to throw this out there and then we're going to jump back into it. But that's why this pandemic has been so tremendously damaging to people's mental health in so many ways, because the term social distancing has an underlying implication of emotional distancing. Mm-hmm. And we, can't, we, we are human beings. We are wired to be together. We're wired to have human contact, not just via technology, but thank, you know, thank, thank goodness for technology. So grateful that we at least have phones and we can have Skype or Zoom or whatever it is to be able to have conversations. But that human connection, that accountability, that interaction has, has been a real, that lack of interaction, I should say, has been a real, real challenge uh, for so many people. And mm-hmm. it, you're a great example of what it, what it means to, to keep that connection and, and do what you need to do. And, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you reaching out to me when I was going through my own health challenge and, and, uh, and encouraging me. Well, I really had compassion, coming back to that word again, for where you were, because I had just had that health scare. Thankfully, I didn't have to have surgery, um, but that's probably where I was headed, or maybe not, because 40% of people's first symptom of a heart issue is death. Yeah. My situation, I was tired. I was exhausted. I was having the the chest pressure, all the things that led me to finally calling the doctor and says, yeah. And I mean, the nurse immediately says, yeah, you need to just hang up right now and go straight to the emergency room. Okay. So I did, but then they, they did the angiogram and discovered that my, what they call the widowmaker artery, which is the main artery that brings blood into your heart was 75% closed off. And and when that artery shuts down, I mean, 88% of heart attacks that involve that artery, the people die. Right. So I was right on the verge and my, my doctor says, you know, if you'd waited maybe a week, two weeks longer, who knows? I was imminent. The- it was imminent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, thank you for your kindness and compassion now. And, and thanks for sharing that with us. You're, it's, it's, it's inspiring to hear that you weren't just willing to settle or, oh, well, this is the way I am and I'm just going to live with it. No, you, you, you wanted more and you, did what you needed to do to show compassion for yourself. A big part of kindness is showing compassion towards ourselves. because if, if mm-hmm. we don't, then we're not going to be around, right? And if it's not natural for us to be kind to ourselves, taking care of ourselves shows kindness to people who love us. Really? And, and, and that, that's so true. It really does. It's an amazing thing when you stop and think about, if I continue like this, there are people in my life that are going to be really sad if I'm not here. So that has been a huge motivation for me. I always tell people, you have to think about your values. So knowing my number one value is connection. I want to be there for all of my children. I have four children. When they have children, when they get married, all when they graduate from high school or college, all of those things, I want to be there. That connection is important to me. I don't want them to be saying, I wish mom could be here for this. Yeah, it's too and bad. so that was what I keep focused on <laughs> when I would have to make food choices. I'd go. Uh, so I belong to a home group. We're meeting virtually now. But when I would go to home group, we did a potluck and there was a lot of brownies and cookies and cake oh when I'm trying yeah. to lose weight every Sunday. And I would say to myself, which of the food choices are going to get me closer to my goal to being around to hold all my grandchildren? I would literally say that in my head and I would fill my plate with healthy options instead of brownies and then I would drink water and 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 all of that instead of the soda 
never been a big soda person anyway, but those choices became easier when I aligned my goal to my value system because it gave me the motivation. The other thing is I learned very quickly that motivation follows action. There were lots of days I didn't feel like getting up and running or saying no to the French fries. I, there was a lot of days I just wanted to do the easy thing, but there were two things that I did to help me. Number one, the the partner that helps me, I would say to myself, she's expecting a sweaty selfie of me having exercise today and I'm not letting her down. She took the time to do this. I'm not going to make her feel like I was not a good investment. And the second thing that I did to really help me, so that's more of an external thing, right? Yeah. Then I had to have an internal thing to get me to act. And that was mantras i would say i can do hard things yeah. <laughs> i would just say something that's a great thing you know i can do hard things that's a great motivator because mm -hmm. that builds confidence in yourself and it's 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 especially great when you say i can do hard things you go out and do something that was hard and you come back and you're like i did a hard thing today and i could do it again tomorrow <laughs> and mm -hmm. i can do it again the next day <laughs> When I started running, it was so hard in the beginning to make myself keep going. It's not that the running was hard so much because it was a graduated program, run for a minute, walk for a minute, run for two minutes, walk for two minutes. It, it was a program, it was a couch to 5K, and it really graduated you up to being able to run. But I would really rather just be sitting down, wouldn't we all? Well, <laughs> so, we would, we would. So well, what I would say to myself is I would say, I am a runner. I am an athlete. I am a winner. And I would keep ch chanting that while I ran. And before you knew it, I ran a 5K. And I thought to myself, you know, you can really trick your brain into believing the things that you say. It doesn't have, I was not a runner and an athlete. I would call myself that now, but at the time I wasn't. But yeah. my body and my brain, my brain doesn't know the difference when I'm telling myself that. So when you say to yourself, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. Your brain says, sure. Okay. Even if that's not true. Well, and it's interesting those thoughts, see the positive or negative are going to determine the, the chemicals that are triggered, the released in your body. Yep. And that Absolutely. will, you know, that, it makes a big difference in how you feel. Mm -hmm. well, they've, they've shown, you know, you've heard the, the, I don't know if you've heard of the book, the rabbit effect, you know, that, that I have not. It's, it's about an experiment that, that just really quickly that a bunch of scientists did and, and you know, researchers did back in the 70s with all these rabbits. They, they were all from the same breed. They were a uh, breed from New Zealand. They wanted to study heart health. And so they fed these rabbits high fat diets for several months. All of them got the same amount. They were fed the same things. And you know, they got done with the, the first round of the experiment and they checked their their uh, their health, their blood pressure, their arteries, all these different things, they found that all of them, yes, did have an increase, but a certain group of those rabbits, even though it had been fed the same things and been fed the same amount of, you know, uh, of time, all the things, there were 60% less fat buildup and, and, and buildup in their uh, arteries than in the other rabbits. And the researchers were just stumped they're like, what, what on earth is going on here? Well, they found, it turns out that one of the ladies that was feeding the rabbits 
that group, all the ones that were healthier than the other rabbits were in this lady's care. And she was just naturally kind to those rabbits. She talked to them. She'd spit, pet them. She'd stroke them. Oh my goodness. She showed them love. She showed them love. The, 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 the researchers weren't ready to accept that that was why the rabbits were healthier. So they got so that a, was the only variable they, that was that different. Was wow. Variable, but they they had to they had to reproduce it. They had to duplicate it. So they got a new group of rabbits. Same thing, but this time they were controlling for that. They gave a, a set to her. Same thing, exact same results. Wow, that's amazing. And this goes to show when when we have positive things said to us, when we have love in our lives. We may not be eating the healthiest diet or other things. Not now. No, I'm not discouraging people from eating healthy because you should. But yeah, just get but, lots of hugs and eat McDonald's every day is not the <laughs> advice here. <laughs> That's not the advice. But it's, it's amazing. It was a, an amazing thing how treating people right, treating people with kindness, treating people with love and compassion may can make a big difference in in their health, and that especially true when we treat ourselves that way. You know, we, we mm -hmm. spend 100% of our time with ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And how easy is it to be a critic, our, our own worst critic as we like yeah. it? And so- It makes so much sense though, Randy, when kindness affects people's mental and emotional health, we are holistic beings. We are a system, a total system. So it makes sense that those systems affect one another. Well, so it, it does. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna segue from that you had a book that you wrote called mm -hmm. UMAP, and it's about a system. It's a system for coaching uh, and, and training people. Tell us a little bit about that and, and how your experiences in, in the rest of your life impacted you for writing that book. So the reason I wrote UMAP was because I had created the UMAP career profile, and I noticed that it was really clicking and helping people career transition. Now, I didn't realize UMAP would end up being used for so much more. People are using UMAP to help people with grief counseling, personal branding, uh, life coaching, leadership development, because really it's the foundation of who we are. These four pillars of our natural talent, our values are what's most important to us, the, the way we prefer to spend our time, our preferred skills, and who we are from a personality point of view. It reveals those four things. And I was helping a lot of people. I was carrying about 24 clients at the time. I don't see individual clients now. Now I coach coaches and train coaches to help more people. I'm trying to scale and help more people. But I wrote the book basically to put the entire process of self-discovery and then what to do with it to really maximize your career. Or if you're an entrepreneur or a student or whoever you are, I wanted everyone to have access to it. I am the type of person that really believes in making things accessible. Accessibility is really important to me. And I didn't want just people who could afford a pricey career coach to be able to go through this process. So I put my entire, I dumped my entire brain and everything I had learned through the process of coaching people with UMAP into this book. And it released in November, 2018, and it stunned me, the reaction. People saying things like, this is the most helpful book I've ever read in terms of helping me with my career. And I was like, wow, really? And I was getting messages from, I got a message from Africa, South Africa. A woman wrote me and she said, I'm writing you through tears as I tell you my husband has his wife back and my children got their mother back. Cause she was so depressed 
about what to do with her life. She just didn't feel any purpose that she was just laying on the couch, pretty much crying or watching TV. She had stopped cooking, cleaning. She had checked out and she found her purpose by working through the book, which was just amazing to me. And so I released second edition in, I think it was July of 2020 to add some things that I had created, like how to create your ideal day and some other things like that. And it just has blown my mind because it's been on the top 10 bestseller list every month since it released. I never expected that kind of a response. And it's, and it hits number one, you know, it goes up. It was number two yesterday. It was number one last week and it's number four this morning. It just, it waffles around in that, within that 10. <laughs> oh, but that's awesome. That That's amazing. Now, did you self-publish it or is it, is it? Uh, no, I, I didn't self-publish. My, my first two books I self-published because I just thought that that would be the easiest thing. But UMAP, I knew was special. I knew it was a special book. I knew it would change lives. And so I wanted to go with a publisher to see if that would help me get wider distribution. And I do believe that partnering with Black Rose Writing has been responsible for the reach. Now I am responsible for marketing it and promoting it, but they know things about the industry. They have submitted it to BookBub um, promotions. For example, BookBub is pretty fussy. It's difficult to get approved. They get 300 requests a day and they pick, I don't know, five or 10. And so it's got, it's had two BookBub deals. So like in one day it was number, I think it was number, it made the top 100 downloaded Kindles on all of Amazon one day because that BookBub deal went out and all these people downloaded it. And of course, they start telling people because what do people talk about? They talk about their jobs and they talk about their families. Yeah. And so if things aren't going well in those situ- either one of those situations, their relationships or their job, that's what you're talking about with your friend at dinner. And so they'll say, you know, you should read this book I'm just re- I'm reading. And so the word of mouth has really gotten that out more than me. I don't even really talk about it much anymore unless someone asks me about it. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. And what a what a wonderful thing is, you know, it's it's amazing how when we have those kind of opportunities in our lives, and we, we share the knowledge that we have, we don't keep it to ourselves, we're willing to Mm -hmm. open up and to, to give of what we have to give away. When we give away, it always comes back. Absolutely. It always comes back you're willing to open your heart to share everything that you'd learned and put it in this book and look what happened. It exploded. And you're like, wow. (laughs) I tell, I I tell authors all the time, they should have days where they give their book away for free or for 99 cents. And people think I'm crazy. Well, if I give it away for free or for 99 cents, then how am I going to make any money or who's going to buy it? But abundance lives in the giver's economy. It, It absolutely does. It absolutely does. They've done economic studies that have shown that people who give, who give away, who share, end up having so much more in return than people who don't. Mm -hmm. They can't explain that. They may not have the best products. They may not have the best things, but they give, they share, and they end up having people that want to buy from them, to want to work with them because of the feeling that they get from that person. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think what people fail to realize is they say, okay, so I know a thousand people, let's just say, and I give it away and all the thousand people who know me will want it. And then there's no one left to buy, but those thousand people now become ambassadors and they say, wow, this was really helpful. Or this was a really interesting true crime or whatever it is that you wrote or whatever product you have the number one way that you sell things is by other people telling people about it. And how can people tell people about it if it's not in people's hands? Exactly, exactly. And when you think about it too, how many, if, if you give away, for example, I have a friend of mine who just gave away a book. He gave away a PDF. People are coming and signing up for his newsletter. They get a free copy of his book, PDF. But he still has, he has, the version that people, if people want to buy the paperback, they can. If they want mm -hmm. to buy the Kindle version, they can. It's still there. And he's getting orders. He's, yeah, he's I'm doing the exact away. same thing right now with, with my book, Maximize 365. Oh. So I have a YouTube channel and I'm reading, it's one page entries. So it's an inspirational quote and then a couple paragraphs about the topic. And here's one idea for action you can do to get traction in this area, whether it's controlling your impulse spending or showing yourself love or how to turn prospects into <laughs> clients because it covers five areas. It covers finances, career, relationships, spiritual well-being, health and wellness. And did I say relationships? <laughs> finances, spirituality, career relationships, and your health. And so uh, people are like, you're, you're recreating your book on YouTube. No one's going to buy it because you're giving the videos away for free. But going back to what I said, I believe in accessibility. So yeah. there are people who are never going to buy my book who I still want to improve their health or get out of their financial struggles or whatever it is that they are dealing with in those five areas. And it's not true that because I'm giving the book away technically for free one video at a time that people won't buy it because people will say, heck, I don't want to wait three years to see all 365 yeah, I videos. <laughs> I, want it, I want this now. I can just get the book. I can read it. I can, <laughs> I can have it right in front of me. That, that, that's fantastic. Well, okay. So you talked a little bit about Maximize 365 and my goodness, it's already, we've already been on here for my goodness, we've, we've, we're, we're over our 30 minutes, but <laughs> I have to ask just a couple other quick questions. Sure. In addition to authoring, you know, leadership and personal development books for adults, you've authored several children's books to inspire young people by helping them to realize that they have gifts and values. What, what led you to write those books, the children's books? I can give you a very succinct answer to that. When I coached adults, they always spoke of their childhood and they would say, when I was a child, I was told these things that you're telling me our gifts were bad, that I was too bossy, that I asked too many questions, that I was a daydreamer, that I always um, was too soft with people if they had empathy. And so I thought, uh-oh, if people are growing up being told that their gifts are bad, I need to talk to children. And so I'm helping build uh, confidence really through self-awareness in children now. That is fantastic. And see, see that, that comes back to your compassion. I love the way you think. Kristen, we're two peas in a pod. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> I, I, I could talk to you all day, all day. 
I know if Elia were here, Dr. Elia, oh my gosh, the, 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 he, he, he's, he's going to be so sad that he missed this because I'm going to tell him, man, you just, you just missed a, an amazing experience, but we're going to have to have, we're going to have to have you on again because we haven't been able to talk about everything we wanted to today. But I love what you said there. You heard what your clients were saying and you saw another need mm. and now you've created a book or book, a set of books to help meet that need to help fill mm -hmm. that need that what a great thing is that that's so inspirational thank you for sharing that with us yeah everything I do is to maximize people that's really my life mission and people children are people too <laughs> another two wire two word mantra maximize people mm -hmm. maximize people that's that's wonderful well so we do we do need to wrap up but I'd like to ask you, what are what are three simple tips that you would share with our audience? Sure. So I'll give you sort of a process, if you will, in three parts. I find when I talk to people who are stuck, especially around trying to maximize themselves, self-improvement, they don't know where to start and they're overwhelmed. So the first thing I would say is just sit down and reflect what is your satisfaction from one to 10 with your spiritual well-being, your relationships in your life your career situation, your finances, and your health. Rate them all one to 10. And right away, you'll know the lowest one is where you should begin. So let's just say your health rates the lowest. Then you ask yourself a few questions. Well, what's going well that I can leverage? And so you might say, well, I'm able to walk at work at lunch, or I have a lot of healthy options available to me, or whatever that is. What do you wish were different, better, or more of? And then you can start writing that down. What are the barriers to those improvements? Because if you don't surface the barriers, like I have too much yeah. on my plate, so I can never exercise. You need to get stuff off of your plate, for example. Then the fourth question is, if I could change one thing, what would it be? That's your starting point. That helps you prioritize. And then the fifth question is crucial, Randy. What can I do to help myself? And what help do I need? So if you start by figuring out what area you need to change, and then honing in on what's going well that you can leverage and then prioritizing what you want that one thing to change and how you are willing to help yourself and what help you need that will give you. And then once a month, the third piece is once a month, set a, an alarm on your phone or a planner on your calendar to go off to revisit and just the first two questions, what's going well and what needs to change. That is, that is great. That is great. That is so Interesting, you know, because we, we had Elaine Jacques. I don't know if are, do you are you. Oh, I love her. Mm -hmm. We had her on last uh, on our one of our episodes recently. You plus one percent. That's her her thing, and she talks about changing. What one thing would you change today? And I love mm -hmm. what you said. You know, focus on okay. What's one thing you can work on right now? Get that one thing taken care of, and then what's the next thing? What's the next thing? It, it, and it, it really in life, it's one step at a time. We can't, we don't learn to crawl and then start running the same day, right? <laughs> unless you're a deer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, unless you're a deer or a but humans don't. <laughs> like that, but humans don't. We go from crawling to walking to running, you know, and, and it mm -hmm. doesn't happen the same day. You're not gonna, you're not gonna see that, right? So, to uh, think of what about Bob? It's baby steps, baby step here, baby step there. <laughs> right. Uh, that is fantastic. Well, Kristen, what a what a pleasure, what a joy to have you on today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your 
wisdom and your inspiration with us. My gosh, like I said, we could have gone on, we could go on for a, a couple of hours talking about the, the various things that you've done. You're, you're such an inspiration. So appreciate you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Randy. It was really nice talking to you. You're a great guy. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, you inspire me. I, now I want to go out and be an even better guy because I've had the chance to talk <laughs> to Kristen Sherry today. If you'd like to connect with Kristen, you can find her on LinkedIn. She's also on YouTube. You can also find her at kristensherry.info. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-S-H-E-R-R-Y dot info. And you can find her at myumap.com. It's M-Y-Y-O-U-M-A-P.com. And you can find all of her books, her adult business books, as well as her children's books on Amazon.com. Just look up author Kristen Sherry. And I want to thank you, our audience. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Uh, and stay tuned. We've got another great episode coming up next week. We're going to have a, a wonderful gentleman by the name of Dr. Stephen Ambrose. He's going to talk to us about uh, how to overcome incivility in work and in society. It's going to be a great, great show. So stay tuned. And, and thank you again for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your day. If you have suggestions for guests or discussion topics, please send a message via our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash kindness hyphen happiness or send an email to randy at randymcneely.com with the subject podcast suggestion. Remember, kindness is a choice. And happiness is a choice always. So choose to be kind and choose to be happy today and good things will follow. Have a wonderful rest of your day.